listening to Cinema Spin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cinema Spin. I'm Matt. I'm Jason. And we're here again to review more movies. More movies. Yowza, yowza, yowza. We're here for more movies. I, I got that from uh, River Runs Through It. Okay. I'm, I'm bringing it back. Yowza, yowza, yowza. We're bringing it back. Great. <laughs> I don't remember that part, but... Um, it was like, yowza, 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 here's some fireworks. But but I think uh, that would look good on t-shirts and bumper stickers yeah, and I, merch. I don't think people will get tired of it at all. No? It'll be a thing. Anyway, our, we'll get, let's get to our first film, shall okay, we? Okay, shall we? Our first film is a musical called In the Heights. In the Heights. <laughs> it makes me want to sing, but then it's people would stop listening. Directed by John M. Chu who you may know from G.I. Joe Retaliation, Gem and the Holograms, not one but two Justin Bieber movies, but probably most famously and notably Crazy Rich Asians. So he has America. quite a storied and uh, and varied career. Yeah, he did some Step It Up movies or the yeah. sequel. Yeah, he's quite a few films under his belt yep. at this point. This film was adapted from the stage production of the same name, which was written and created by Lynn manuel Miranda. Never heard of him. What who is most he, uh... of us know from his lauded stage creation, Hamilton. Hamilton, huh? Haven't really heard of that. This movie is set in New York in the New York City neighborhood of Washington Heights and follows the struggles and desires of several of the neighborhood's inhabitants over a heat wave that has lasted several days and ultimately leads to a blackout before the storyline resolves. Jason, what did you think of In the Heights? Um, well, I think in the first case, uh, John uh, John Chu gets a lot of credit for uh, staging uh, the big uh, set pieces. Uh, they are sensational. They are infectiously charming. Absolutely joyous and irresistible. If you're the sort of person, and there might be some of these people in this very room... Who uh, find you watch uh, you know uh, uh, musicals with your arms crossed and uh, sort of dread that moment where people stop talking and all of a sudden for no good reason burst into song and start singing. Well, um, I think uh, Chu does a great job of of making that transition and uh, even if you think that's silly, turning the spectacle of it into something that uh, you you just sort of love and kind of want to be a part of. So I think he does great with the the musical aspects. It doesn't hurt, of course, that the music is written by uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, whose uh, bona fides don't need to be uh, explained by me, and also who I think that if you listen, you can hear um, some of the seeds of, of Hamilton in this, with the way that the story is, uh, with a witty dialogue, and the way that the story is told, the, song, the hip-hop uh, delivery. And so I think... I think it worked uh, generally very well. Yes. One thing I'll give it while you're on this particular topic, a lot of this is shot outside on real locations. So it, yes. does, it does not have that claustrophobic, like on a soundstage feel that a lot of Absolutely. filmed right. um, Film plays musicals yeah. tend to do. Yeah, so yeah. I have to Great give point. it credit for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I had seen this play before I saw Hamilton, um, I would think... I would look at this and say, wow, this is really good stuff, right? Really solid musical, right? Um, there, and uh, again, as I said, you can see some of the sort of seeds of, of some of the things that, that uh, uh, Miranda is uh, sort of playing with that eventually will come into full fruition. But overall, In the Heights is, I think, um, it suffers from a certain kind of uh, problem that I think is common to a lot of uh, 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 big, lavish Broadway plays, and that is that it's do it. It does great when 
uh, everybody's on stage singing their brains out and 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 so on. Um, but I'm uh, I'm left cold by a lot of the characters and a lot of the character development in in this movie. Um, I'm left um, not particularly uh, invested in in a lot of the uh, uh, the conflicts and. In fact, I wonder where the conflicts kind of are. Um, we're we're going to get to this uh, maybe a little bit later when the, the second movie we talk about as well. But I think the uh, the same problem applies here is that, like, um, you know, I don't know what the real Washington Heights is like. I haven't been there, right? Um, but the Washington Heights, pre- as presented in this, uh, in this movie, is, um, I mean, nothing short of a sort of singing and dancing utopia, right? <laughs> And um, the question then becomes, well, uh, some of the characters are kind of desperate for whatever reasons, for different reasons. They're really looking forward to getting out and going out and doing something, right? And some of their reasons are, um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the main character, uh, U.S. Na- uh, Navi, you know, he wants to fulfill his, uh, pe- uh, his father's dream of returning to the Dominican Republic you know, having made his fortune in America, go back and buy his old dad's bar, right? And so he's driven by this sort of generational sort of aspiration, right? And that makes some sense. When we get into some other characters, uh, you know, there is uh, uh, Vanessa, um, who uh, wants to sort of make it on her own as a fashion designer. She wants to move down into Manhattan, right? And that makes some sense. Um, Then you have Nina, who is a Stanford student who um, doesn't like it at Stanford. Right. And um, controversially um, had a bad experience, had a bad experience and maybe wants to consider other options. Right. Now, all of those could be interesting stories. I think for me, though, the problem is that life in Washington Heights is presented as such a a paradise of of singing and dancing that, well, what if what's the worst case scenario? If these people's dreams don't come true, then what? They have to crawl back to what seems to be the best place on earth. <laughs> well, I mean, people have seemed to have, you know, started businesses there and relatively thrived. And, yeah, right. And yeah. It's hot though. <laughs> yeah, right. It's very hot. We all know that, right? But even the people who want to get away sort of love the, pl- you know, definitely love the place. I mean, I don't know it would be a very it's obviously going to be a very very different interpretation of this material if you show some of the seedier sides of Washington Heights. If you show some people selling drugs on the street corner, or if you show, you know, the uh, so, some of the problems, right? Um, but I don't know. Maybe a little bit of that might have helped. Well, I mean, because otherwise, why would anybody? Though, why may, would anybody want to leave? Ha- you know, f- having a musical version of some of the problems may put you in cop rock territory which we just talked about <laughs> off the air let's not talk you know about having the crack rock, dealer right. talk on the corner well we don't want you know, that's <laughs> that sounds <laughs> a much. little cheesy there are good ways and bad ways to do that right uh but nonetheless i i i'm i'm left uh uh i was really left kind of uh wondering at what what exactly is at stake in all of this right i mean they seem to have relatively i mean the people in the neighborhood seem to be awfully happy for it to be a place you want to escape yeah right yeah my take on it is that uh it does a gr- such a great job of presenting uh washington heights as being sort of this uh you know this this irresistible uh sensational wonderful place that i don't think it did a a well enough job of sort of explaining the reasons why its characters wanted to leave um 
Now, again, with with Navi, um, that kind of explains itself again because of the generational thing. But particularly with Nina, like you know, she, her whole leaving of Stanford is never really uh, gone into a lot of detail. Um, and it, I mean, we 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 get that she left because she had a very she had a bad experience there, right? But we also, but her father um, is fairly well to do. There are there don't this, this, don't you think though? Yeah, I mean, this is my take. Yeah, I think her version. She's almost the opposite, right? She's gone across the country from her family. Yeah. And it's scary to be way out there. Sure. Especially when there's this comfort blanket that is Washington Heights. I think that's... Yeah. She's not... She's less trying to escape there. Is it? It's almost working the opposite way for her. It's almost pulling her back. Yeah. The safety blanket of her home. Right. Okay. And, and the support system all that is the, that yeah. community. I think... She, she's having to branch out in her own and create her own. It's just scary. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what she's having trouble overcoming. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I would have liked to have heard a little bit more about that. Cause as it turns out, uh, I looked into it, you know, there are colleges in New York city. <laughs> a few. If you, yes. If you're not, if you're, uh, if, if, if you don't want to go too far, if you want to go far enough away from home that you don't have your father, you know, checking in on you. Doesn't seem to be the issue, though. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But nonetheless, we could we could all assume uh, that to be one issue, right? But um, but if you want to go someplace closer to home, um, there are just lots and lots of uh, options. And so the the I guess sort of the point is the melodrama of this, the real sort of weight of of her agony over this decision. Uh, just sort of never kind of landed with me because uh, she has. It seems like she has so many options. It's not right? a. It's not a, like a breaking point at all. It's, there's nothing. Um, it's not a crisis. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's, yeah, it, yeah. There, right. It's just, exactly. It's it's a person who uh, is at a kind of a rough point in her life, but who has so many options it's half the movie though yes you know, yes so. yes uh and because uh, once again uh, one thing i uh, another thing i wanted to say is because the musical numbers are so lavish and take up so much so much of the character uh development that there is kind of takes forever you know i mean we're halfway through this movie and we barely know anything about these characters and they've it, it has kind of a soap opera feel where they've been I think having. That's the what same... I think musicals are. They're about the numbers. And, and <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I did this movie kind of because you wanted to do it, and it was kind of the big thing in pop culture this week. So right. I agreed to do it. Right. I do not like musical movies. Yes. I have. Um, when I see things live, mm-hmm. it's different. I, I, I've listened to live rock bands that I've really liked that I'd probably never listen to if it wasn't live. You know what I mean? It's and enjoyed mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's something about the magic of a live performance yeah. that takes you through some of the things that I might not like about it. Right. You know, uh, one of the things, my issues with musicals um, and music in general is the length of numbers. The first no, number the, in this film mm-hmm. in the Heights is 11 minutes long. Yeah. And then you I get find that in the, the in the Heights sort of graphic. I right find now. after two minutes, the rest of the seven minutes or eight minutes is extremely tedious to me. Okay. And I have the same problem with normal music. I do not like once a song mm-hmm. or a piece of music has done everything it's going to do. Uh huh. 
some songs carry on and repeat sections right. for another two minutes, and I just can't like stand a, that. Not like a Pink Floyd fan. No, like a, okay. no, I hate Pink Floyd. <laughs> right, you know, okay. You know, I would, a good right. example would be like the, a song that I really hate. Mm-hmm. Sue Studio by Phil Collins. <laughs> after the first, going 15, way out, way out on a limb. After the first, metal. After the first fifteen is, yes. seconds of that song, yeah. uh-huh. Studio's done all it's gonna do. <laughs> that's a particularly. I don't. That's not a great example because. Well, of, that's an extreme. Well, because it, because it's it's but so I, repetitive. I, I'm not a right. fan of. But like Stairway to Heaven, lavish guitar solos. Yeah. at all. But like Stairway to Heaven. Stairway to Heaven. There's a cut. There's a there's a second long yes. musical interlude. There, well, that tries uh, uh, my there's different there's different sections, right? So that maybe there's some right. some of the sections between the verses that yeah. uh, that I, I find a little bit. I tedious. have some fiery furnace of songs that I want to play for you to, to really test your mouth. Um, I'm more I'm more of a two minutes thirty second quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a uh, two to yeah. You know, there's two a, to three minute. There, kinda, there yeah. was I was watching. Um, there's an episode of Curve Your Curve Your Enthusiasm where. Mm-hmm. Um, basically the whole, a lot of the crux of the, the sh- that episode is about the song Officer Krupke from West Side Story. Oh, right, right, okay, right, right. And I wasn't familiar with the tune, uh-huh. so I went and watched that number. Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, this is great after two minutes. But uh-huh. when it went on for six minutes uh, yeah. and eight minutes, yeah. I didn't like Officer Krupke anymore. Yeah. It's just, I'm that, and, and I'm, that is a big part of why I don't like this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Okay. The f- after two and a half minutes of in the you know in the heights, if that number would have Next. moved on, yeah, yeah, it's it's just I'm I'm bored yeah. quickly by by yeah. music. I I have more patience with that, especially when there's so much visually happening. Right, I'm sort of excited by uh, people dancing doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> it never has. Well, to be fair, you are dead inside. Well, <laughs> fair enough. Um, so. Uh, but you know, but for me, this is this is a pretty big slog of a movie. Do I admit that these people are super talented? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So anyway, Jason made me watch this, <laughs> and um, you know, I can I can it, you know, it's one of these things where I totally see the appeal. It's just not for Matt. Okay, and that's uh, fair it enough. didn't win me over, and it's still not yeah, for Matt. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, I uh, my bottom line is I was uh, mildly disappointed. I, I think that it works as um, I think it works as a musical for you know as a big big uh, lavish Broadway production. Um, I think it works in that sense, but I think that the uh, character development is uh, is uh, seriously undernourished, um, and I think they uh, really over. Uh, and a big part part of the reason for that is they really overshot the mark in terms of making. Washington Heights seem like kind of heaven on earth, right? <laughs> um, I really, yeah, I, you know, I, not to repeat myself, but I really don't know why people would want to uh, a a leave and b be afraid to ever come back. It's hot, know? <laughs> and apparently, it's also hot in Dominican Republic. <laughs> it's also hot in Manhattan. I had, right? like, I had it's some just questions. As hot in Manhattan. I had some questions why anybody right. would or go Stanford. to Stanford. I guess actually, it's pretty. Ch- it's actually pretty nice at Stanford. Yeah, that's that's true. I yeah. was yeah, it's maybe sixties and seventies, so fair uh, touche um, on that issue. <laughs> right. There's some characters that I liked in this. Um Olga Moretes as uh, Abuela, the grandma. I I liked her. She yeah, kinda reminded yeah. me kinda reminded me of my grandma a little bit. Oh yeah. yeah. Who was also an Olga. Sort of the linchpin of the whole neighborhood in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I really liked, you know, I, I liked all of the leads. I liked uh, Anthony Ramos, and I liked uh, Leslie Grace and uh, Melissa Barrara. Uh, yeah, and uh, the, every day, everybody did a great job. I mean, it, it, uh, I mean, we can't talk about this without pointing out that uh, you know the entire cast here are uh, are are, his, are Latinx people of color, um, and that's a big coup for uh, um, for um, a major Hollywood production by this. So congratulations to them. Uh, you know, I think this is an entertaining movie. I think especially for people who like musicals. I I wish it had taken a little more time with. Uh, Making his characters a little, a little uh, making their motivations a little clearer, making their motivations a little more complex, and uh, doing I can't stop fantasizing about Hamilton and uh, uh, make it uh, you know uh, adding a lot of the sort of uh, complex interpersonal uh, uh, character interactions. That's uh, a very non-traditional piece uh, of music. Yeah. True, true, true. But like, here we are. I, I mean, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda for the rest of his life. Uh, you know, matter no matter uh, if he's the first man on Mars, he's still gonna. People are still gonna be wondering if. Right, he... but this is <laughs> this isn't a follow up to Hamilton. Remember, this is a absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and it's totally not fair. I admit I'm not being fair, and uh, this is uh, a solid musical. Um, yeah. I'm not sure, but not I, transcendent. I doubt that uh, the Mona Lisa was the first painting that. <laughs> yeah. Know, right, 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 um, right. So, you got to work um, up to something great sometimes. Right. This feels more run of the mill than than. Uh, than uh, uh, yes, and that, well, that that's exactly well, what. Well, maybe I, exceptional in that in that zone. This feels like the kind of movie that ten years ago might have won, might have been been a big deal at the Tonys, um, and, and <laughs> but then never would have been a movie had it not been for. Uh, Lin Manuel. Yeah, that's I, I can I can totally right. see that. So, um, you know, and I, I put this in about the same category as something like Rent, you know. So, um, which was a phenomenon for its time. Well, right. Um, I, I, I mean, and, and you can see why it's a phenomenon, but at the same time, um, not you know, I, I mean, uh, not necessarily a life changing, you know, not not a genre changing. Uh, I mean, the uh, one thing you know, that Rent has, I think, I change think, the medium, I think the, you know? the the big song in Rent, there's mm-hmm. nothing here that memorable. That's a good point, right? For better or worse, because that song and well, the most memorable song from Rent is a bit uh, uh, does get a bit insidious, right? <laughs> sure, <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh, um, fair enough. Yeah, right. You know, the first I've only seen. Um, I think I saw part of that movie, and I've seen. I can, you know, you can practically sing that song. But there's nothing here that I'll remember beyond. Yeah, yeah. Besides, yeah. maybe you know, in the Heights, which yeah, right, 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 is the title tune. So right, so um, yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not a fan of this film, but uh, I I can totally see why. I mean, my mom mm-hmm. would love this thing, <laughs> and, uh, and I know a lot of people who would. And, and and I mean, in your defense, I mean, it does it does feel a little bloated at what is it two hours and twenty minutes long. Um, you know, my version of this, where all the numbers are two minutes and thirty seconds long, and the whole thing's like forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that would leave other people wanting more. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to. Uh, uh, no. I'm self-aware enough to know that my way is not always the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the reason that I tend to get so, bored with this kind of stuff. You know? Yeah, and you know, and there's also a section in musicals where we're kind of between numbers, like big numbers, but we're actually still singing the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that, there's a few scenes in here where, you know, uh, um, 
Leslie's in the or uh, Nina is in the they're in the park talking and, mm-hmm. and and they're just kind of singing their lines and it almost feels like a conversation but they're still singing. I would have liked to just back down into regular conversation there. Well, this yeah. doesn't do a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of between the numbers. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of. Yeah, it's not know. quite sung through. It's, it's mo- there's not dialogue. quite, but there's yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of singing. Yeah, but they and and, and uh, productions. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I okay. don't have anything more to say about this. Okay. That was our take on In the Heights. We are, uh, I, I'm ambivalent. Uh, Matt is, uh, I'd say, uh, hostile. I'd say, yeah, I'm uh, a hostile, but, okay. I, but, but within knowing that, <laughs> right. just because but, it's not, you but, know. You know. But, again, you're dead inside, so. That's true. And if you, hey, if you'd like to send us hate mail, you can send it to, uh, <laughs> you can comment on Twitter or um, yes, Facebook, uh, as well as our uh, old-fashioned email address, which is. I believe <laughs> cinemaspin podcast yeah, at, at yahoo.com. Yahoo.com. <laughs> yahoo.com. Right. So if you want to tell us why we are totally wrong about in the heights or any aspect of in the heights, um, feel free. Feel free. We'll even read it on the air. We promise. Oh, definitely so, do that. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. Hey guys. Did you know that Cinemaspin has a sister podcast called Pop Culture Nation? It's returning after a long hiatus due to COVID, with new weekly episodes. On Pop Culture Nation, we discuss not only movies, but television, music, and anything else in the pop culture realm we feel like tackling. Pop Culture Nation, returning June 12th, 2021, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we are back on Cinemaspin for the second half of the show. Our second movie is brought to us by Jason. Here it goes. Well, not just brought to us by Jason. Presented to us. Presented by Jason. Brought to us by the all-powerful randomizer. Well, of course. That chose uh, 1992's A River Runs Through It. A movie the that, River Runs Through uh, It. A major movie that neither you or I had seen. So um, the randomizer uh, is somehow new. Okay, so what we have here is uh, Brad Pitt in a very, very early role. One of the roles put him on the, the map. And uh, Craig Sheffer play Paul and Norman McLean, uh, respectively. Uh, we see them grow up in rural Montana in a non-specific part of the early 20th century. Um, their father is Reverend John McLean, played by, by Tom Skerritt, whose religion seems to be equal parts Jesus and fly fishing. Um, he teaches the boys about the beauty of nature and self-reliance and cooperation and conflict revolution and pretty much every resolution and pretty much everything else through the lessons of landing really big bass. Anyway, uh, Paul goes to, uh, uh, to, to Dartmouth and comes back uh, home not knowing what he wants to do with his, uh, with his life. And by then his uh, brother, uh, uh, his brother Paul, um, is a local reporter with a reputation for hanging out with the wrong crowd. Uh, Norman meets a young lady named Jesse. Correct. And they begin to court. Right. Um, now, time passes in this movie in a very loose way, and opportunity after opportunity uh, goes by to introduce major complications. Did Norman go to Dartmouth to avoid w- the World War I draft? Um, later, as Paul caught up with bootleggers, what about the Depression? Maybe there could be a romantic triangle between the brothers. Uh, maybe Pop McLean could denounce one or more of his son's lifestyles. Uh, there are a million sources of conflict this movie might have pursued, but it is so resistant to the basic mechanisms of drama that, and that it almost feels like it was a travelogue commissioned by the Montana Com- Chamber of Commerce. 
Um, there is literally no problem in this movie that can't be resolved by fly fishing. Um, and so uh, I am left uh, with this movie um, uh, thinking that it uh, you know, passed pleasantly. It looked good. Um, certainly all of the leads uh, uh, are, are fun to look at, and so is the, uh, the countryside. I, I, I was uh, in search of any sort of, conf- any sort of central uh, dramatic conflict in this movie. Um, and uh, it's not until, um, like in the last 20 minutes, that there's any sort of major development at all. Um, I don't know. What did you make of this, Matt? I actually really quite enjoyed this film. Oh, you did? I did. Okay. Um, I think the point of the film is it's about a life, not necessarily a crazy life, a life that's worth telling. It's just the story of these boys' upbringing. Okay. And it's typical of probably a lot of people's upbringing. Yeah. It's just a story, not the story. It tells its story at a very slow pace and for some reason i was on board with with it um there's something i liked in um the difference you know the boys were basically brought up with the exact same upbringing and the exact same you know points that they were shown Mm -hmm. you know it's like one wasn't favored by the father over the other but yet they ended up being two very different people Mm -hmm. and i think what i liked about that is it's kind of telling the story about how Despite how you bring up a child, mm-hmm. there are certain aspects in their personality that are going to they're going to be, find their own way in life. Okay. And the one boy, Norman, he was always the kind of person who would play it safe. He f- he learned to fly fish and always used his father's method. Mm-hmm. Never stepped outside the box. He went to school. Right. He um, his father taught him to write. Uh-huh. And the thing he gravitated to, it seemed like, was writing. He was going to be an English teacher or do something in that realm. Right. The other boy was defiant from the start for yeah. for no reason other than he was just born that way. Yeah. Um. He, uh, you know, was defiant as a kid. Uh-huh. Outlasted his parents over a uh, over a rice cereal situation. Didn't, right. Didn't yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Pretty much broke his parents, who were right. very very. Uh, very, very much wanted him to just sit there till he ate the oats. Right, and the boy right, sat right. There yeah, till, yeah. He uh, wins a battle of wills. Yeah, the right, father kind of right, caved yeah. in, and uh-huh. they said their grace and went moved on with their day. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought there was something a little bit interesting about that. And there's also something interesting about um, as you go through life, maybe having a pastime or a craft that you try to perfect, uh-huh. and how you can use that as sort of a, a way to guide your life, trying to get better at something as you strive to be better at being a person. There's a there's a beauty to, to the landing of the fish. There's a beauty to the landing of the fish that involves a, a lot more than just uh, you know the old uh, j- just reeling it in on your old reel and, and uh, reel and line, right? Um, now, uh, and I think this movie uh, cuts a lot of that out because you know no fish are harmed in the making of this movie, and to reel a uh, uh, fish in the uh, it, the way you do in fly fishing uh, requires um, uh, the fish to jump around a lot and and actually uh, be landed right. So I forgive them for that, but what I think is lacking here, uh, maybe for all I know, that was present in the the uh, the novel version of of this material, but. What's lacking here is any sort of indication of, of, I mean, why exactly fly fishing is this uh, sort of spiritual endeavor, right? Um, right? I mean, it is, in the general sense of it is getting back to nature. In the general sense, you're standing around 
you know, uh, uh, you know, enjoying the, the, the cold weather on the morning and, and Montana is beautiful and so on. Um, but I, I, I don't think, uh, for me anyway, they didn't really sell me on, on the uh, spiritual aspects. Of I, I kind of took it more that just in this movie and with this family, it was fly fishing. It could have been kite flying with another family. Oh, or sure, sure, sure. It's just maybe just the uh, the family endeavor or trying to master something, I guess, is, okay. is, is what I took away from it. Okay. In, in this case, it is fly fishing, which is pretty specific. And, yeah. And uh, so they're going to live by that or die by it. So, it's, yeah, so you're saying it's, it's, it's more or less, it, uh, it, it's just a sentimental pastime for this particular family. And this that's how I took it. Yeah, it's right. kind of trying to, okay. you know, it's the act of trying to perfect a craft. Teaching a craft right. to your kids, watch them perfect it, and watch one of them basically mm-hmm. be content to do exactly what you do, and watch the other one kind of make it his own and make it more of an art form. Yeah, right. While, and, and at the same time, that more creative kid is the one who's more... Uh, likely to be the one to get into trouble as, as he is in this picture. Yeah. Uh, I could have used, like I said, though, I could have, at any rate, I could have used in the presentation of this material, a, a, a ramping up of the stakes, you know, I think that's a fair point. Um, Cause it really feel, you know, I, I, I remember checking my watch at the one hour, 22 minute point. Um, and uh you know of this when is one of the boys going to get somebody pregnant well you know, <laughs> you know of of this just slightly over 2 hour movie and thinking uh, i mean there's not a whiff of a like central conflict right there's not there a, really isn't right um and and uh there could be right there could be a pregnant girlfriend there could be a a forced choice between something there could be uh, all sorts of things. It, it could have been the, you know, the Brad Pitt character being in, in gambling debt and that being more of an issue. It's only tangentially Absolutely. dealt yeah. with. Right, yeah. And, um, and and that is, that's handled in such a, um, a, a kind of distant uh, sor- uh, sort of oblique way that um, you, you're almost, sub- that by the, uh, w- when the chicks come home to roost at the end, it's really sort of a shock, like, oh, it was that serious, <laughs> right? You know, no, that's true. And and there's and there was. I mean, a... you know, it's serious, but not until almost that point. Yeah, right? yeah. And and there's a scene at, at one point where the, you know the 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 sort of uh, insular world of the uh, of the brothers is sort of infiltrated by the the this sort of seedy couple uh, that are associates of. Uh, of the Brad Pitt character, right? And they want to go. F- Actually, uh, yeah, the uh, Bra- the girl that Brad Pitt is uh, courting, it's her her brother's in town, and he's kind. <laughs> and the brother, no, it's it's the Norman, the older one, is is dating um, uh, his girl, his oh. girlfriend's oh, okay. brothers in town. Okay, who I wrote down. Oh, it's Captain Douchebag when he got off the train, <laughs> and it right, turns right, out, right. yeah, my first impression was correct. Right, and he's he's a bit of a troublemaker and a drunk, and 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 just wants to uh, make trouble, right? So, and there there's a scene where they have to basically take them fly fishing uh, while they're both sort of drunk and hung over, right? And I, you know, uh, that to me seems to be a good sort of uh, turning point where. Um, you begin to show uh, that maybe uh, this other lifestyle is beginning to creep into paradise here in in Montana, right? Um, but then that kind of goes nowhere, right? Um, and uh, and so I I just feel like there's there's no s- sort of sustained conflict or drama uh, throughout this movie. Um, 
And um, I don't, I don't, I don't at all disagree with that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just there's some reason I was, I just enjoyed this little ride. I didn't give it uh-huh. too much, yeah. too much thought. It's just, it's just, it felt like an old fashioned tale of just this family. I know the book, or they call, I've heard it called a novella, but it's, I mean, it's, God, it's thick enough to be a book. Yeah. Um, unless there's, unless that's included as this one story among others in that, what I, in that, in that binding I've seen, but, uh, it must go more into philosophy in, in the, uh, mm-hmm. in that. So, yeah. Because, uh, from what I, I did a little reading about this, the, when they were talking about making this into a film, there was some mm-hmm. talk that it was, you know, unadaptable and stuff Right. Like that. that it was maybe a little too psychological or yeah. philosophical. And so. I think we're, we're missing probably a lot of that here. Maybe yeah. there is more of fly fishing as a metaphor for life and it makes you wonder if in adapting this uh you know robert redford uh is uh maybe trying to be a little too faithful to the book and and not kind of forefronting some of the more external uh conflicts that really uh some of the external conflicts that really make a a movie a movie you know sure yeah i i mean a, a pleasant movie i i wish i uh I wish I had cared more. Uh, certainly a beautiful film. Um, uh, but to me, uh, not much more. Yeah, you know, I doubt I'm going to carry this with me long term as being yeah. like a movie that I adore or anything. Yeah. But for some, you know, for what it was last night, maybe I was just in the right mood for it or whatever. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, didn't find a lot to fault. But, I mean, obviously, I, I everything you say, you know, I, I very well acknowledge that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, its pacing is... is you know, pretty slow. It yeah. takes, takes its time to tell its little tale. Yeah. But uh didn't didn't bother me in this case for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't mind a I don't even mind a slow paced story so much if if sort of uh there ends up being a uh a payoff for why it's so slow. You know, if there had been a more profound payoff, um uh I, I think I, I might have sort of retroactively thought, Oh, okay, well that's why the rest of the movie uh took its time doing all of this. But uh as it is, it just feels like it was maybe a movie that was a little too uh, devoted to its uh, source material and uh, wasn't uh, didn't take enough chances. Did you get the impression ad- in terms of adaptation? This is you know this is would be spoiler material if this movie wasn't you know thirty years old. But, sure, right, right. Um, did you get the impression that uh, as the end plays out, Brad put Brad Pitt knows he's done for before they go fishing at the end. You know, the, I, the, I, the night I think, before they'd I think been... certainly the uh, the final scene where he's fishing. That's what I mean. The night yeah. the night before they'd been that was the night he got kicked out of the casino. But the yeah. one brother left, and then he said, yeah. like, "I'm going to go back in. I feel like yeah. it's my night." Yeah. And it was like a make or break night for him with the debtors, I guess. And yeah. I, I, I I just got the the feeling that even though he came in the morning and showed up and was and was fishing, that he knew that. They were uh, yeah. probably going to kill him. And what happens while he's fishing is uh, this pretty harrowing moment where he gets kind of taken on a ride by a fish, and you're kind of wondering if he's maybe going to drown, you know, which may may, uh, may be foreshadowing. Um, and that's a great example, I think, of, of the kind of thing that maybe works in literature. <laughs> well, I mean... You know, uh, but maybe uh, we could have used a little more... Uh, it was e- sort of a metaphor. Explanation. In, in them, in, okay, in, it's like... yeah. The the one the boy Norman who's who's lived the normal life he's a teacher he's gonna move to Chicago with his girlfriend mm-hmm. or with his wife he's achieved uh, he's mastered 
life as we see it, right? Mm-hmm. But his his fly fishing never got beyond what his father taught him. Uh huh. Yeah. But the other boy has mastered fly fishing. Uh huh. He's he's every skill he needs to land a fish. He uh-huh. uses to land that final fish. Right. He's mastered that. Right. But yet he's never been able to master regular life. Right, 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 right. And I guess that's that's kind of the point at the end of that movie. Well, and to... and yeah, and that's my my that's kind of my <laughs> point too is that's uh that's something that's the kind of uh nuance that works great a new nuance metaphor that works great in literature. Um but maybe there might have been a little more ex- <laughs> exposition in a movie. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um maybe. so uh yeah, just to make it seem like the rest of the movie, like we kind of know what the stakes are, right? You, uh, and again, this is a this is a movie where uh, the big problem here is that I, I I'm never quite sure what the stakes were, right? What's at stake? What what? How much is he risking? Um, you know what happened? You know, um, I I, I kind of get that he's in trouble, but how much? trouble yeah they only they only always leave that just outside your knowledge right so there should have been maybe a some kind of like a boss character that uh well came in and chewed up some scenery well i i think that uh uh uh, that that kind of minimalism um and that kind of subtlety um doesn't always come across in movies i mean when you're writing a novel uh you you don't want to come right out and say anything you you have a variety of techniques to sort of like get across your point without just being blunt but um uh movies movies are blunt more blunt you know and um and yeah maybe you need a scene where uh you have somebody uh giving him a talking to or roughing him up Right, so. letting letting him know where the stakes are. Yeah, because right, right. it seems like he doesn't know what the stakes are till it's too late. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So definitely a, a, a movie. Uh, you know, uh, I, I had heard a lot about, and uh, I had known of its uh, of its reputation. A uh, very a, a different movie, I think, than I than I really expected. Me too. Um, I, I think I've always got this film uh, confused with Legends of the Fall. Exactly. Same. <laughs> same. Same with me. Although. Uh, um, yeah, they kind of came out. Did they come out like the same? They time? did very yeah. some very very close. I think. And I remember that being a lot more unpleasant. As I started watching this, <laughs> I remember thinking, or Anthony Hopkins isn't in this, right? He's not going to be writing <laughs> on a chalkboard, right? And, um, this movie um, kind of feels like it could come out today, and and it's not doesn't have some of that '90s ness in it. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. Something you don't have to change a lot, you know. <laughs> Right. There's maybe it's because it was you know set uh, you know in the past. Yeah. Right. That 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 that's always gonna. There's just something about there's a feel that certain '90s movies have that hasn't aged well. Yeah, a lot of them, and this one seems like it seems, for better or worse, it has a little bit of a timeless uh, factor. I think in part because they never quite. It seems to me, maybe I'm wrong. They never quite commit to which. To when between 1915 and 1935 this movie really sort of takes place. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I think there are a couple clues. Yeah. Um, well, and it's, it's a kind of epic, so it's, you know, it, it takes a long period of time. Yeah, the right? boys are little, and then they're yeah. big, and then right. Prohibition we see, and then... Right, right, right. Which yeah, is yeah, 1920. Right. So I kind of thought that, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint, though. Yeah. I, I agree. Right, yeah, yeah. 
uh, something I texted you last night that I I, I think is irrefutable mm-hmm. as that uh, Redford rips the beginning of this right out of Ken Burns' Civil War. Yeah, right. To, right down to voiceover. Yeah, voice the title over. comes up, yeah. and then the violin music exactly like. And, and he's yeah. talking over the still we, we pictures. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, and Ken Burns, Ken Burns Civil War had only been a couple of years before this. Uh-huh. Yeah, or if maybe just a year. Yeah, right. And <laughs> yeah, obviously, uh, Robert Redford was impressed. The voiceovers, the uh, yeah, uh, Robert Redford's uh, earnest uh, voiceover does this movie no. Uh, uh, no service um and most of the time he's they should have had robert mccullough do it you know (laughs) (laughs) well uh, most of the time he's just explaining what uh characters are he's explaining either what you're seeing on the screen or he's explaining what characters are feeling which he wouldn't know if he's the narrator (laughs) right you know um so there are definitely problems well the narrator is supposed to be norman the oldest boy um, uh, technically, yeah. Nonetheless, I yeah. I mean, nonetheless, he's explaining the thoughts at <clears throat> times, explaining the thoughts and feelings of his uh, of his father, right? And that's which not I don't possible. Know, might be speculation, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. Um, unless you unless you're Dostoevsky, I don't definitely, think you're. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you're first person narration. He definitely thought he knew his father better than I ever knew mine. I Re- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and uh, voiceover narration uh, is almost always a bad idea in movies. Um, I think unless more Morgan Freeman is doing it, and then it uh, tends to even, work sometimes. Even then, um, so uh, and and in this, I think uh, I I think it adds that uh, it does add that that Ken Burns Civil War feel to it, like you know this was the past and this is how <laughs> it was, and uh, you know go back with me in time. The timing right. with the release of the Civil War is just. Yeah, it's just can't be coincidence. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> I, I don't think it's a coincidence for a second. Yeah, um, so uh, and and it's a constant irritation too. Just just when just when the story begins to flow and tell itself, all of a sudden here comes the narration again. You know, and uh, I can excuse you know, yeah. Uh, so bad, bad narration. <laughs> Definitely something that. Yeah, we can agree on there. I, yeah. It didn't need to be there. I, I'll right. tell you what. In some Along some of the shots in this thing, Brad Pitt just looks like a baby, doesn't he? Oh God, I know. I mean, he is right, right. I mean, you're some shots. He's like, okay, this is young man Brad Pitt, but sometimes he looks like a boy. Yes, he looks like a small uh, small child <laughs> put in your pocket. Right, he does. Um, which is interesting because uh, you know the. Uh, uh, this was after his big breakout in Thelma and Louise, right? And he doesn't look like a child in that movie. No, <laughs> but he the, but it helps when you have uh, you know your shirt off and you have <laughs> you know abs everywhere, right? So, uh, right. But but in this boy, yeah, when he's tipping his cap and you know and in the soft light of of you know uh, of dawn. Yeah, again, you can't um, say it enough. This is a beautifully filmed movie. Yeah, yeah. It won uh, an Oscar for cinematography, I believe. All right. Well, well done. Uh, also, Joseph Gordon Levitt. As, oh, a, yeah. as young Norman McLean. Very right. recognizable as a young man. Yes, absolutely. You see him and you immediately think that's Joseph Gordon Levitt. I'm pretty uh, sure the other little boy was never done anything else ever. Uh <laughs> no. Not that he's, I can he's best forgotten. But you see Joseph Gordon Levitt and you're like, uh, well, he's gonna be a decent person. <laughs> right, because that's how you always feel about Joseph Gordon Levitt. That's about all I've got to say about it. If we have to randomize. Yes, we have to randomize. It is our job. Let's wallow in the randomization, shall we?
How do I do that? Just be yourself. <laughs> okay. I'm a wallower. Okay, here comes the noise. Seemed like it lacked volume there, didn't it? Do we want to do it again? I think we should spin it again. Okay, okay, okay. There we go. That's a real spin. Right, that's a real spin. That's like on the Price is Right, if it doesn't go all the way around. It doesn't around. go all the way around, right, yeah. right exactly. <laughs> all right, uh, we've got 1976. Oh, that's a the, good year for movies. The Omen. The Omen. Never seen it again. I have never seen The Omen. I can't believe I haven't seen The Omen. That That's like one where... I, I should have seen The Omen at some point. I feel like I'm going to start watching this movie and think, oh, I've seen this. But um, <laughs> I can't off the top of my head. And I sort of know what happens, you know. Yeah, I, the, I, I, I know some of The kid's bad, it. Yeah. right? And he, uh, I know the scene where he rides his bike and pushes the woman off the stairs, right? Ah, oh, spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think okay. I've, I, okay. I've you know, seen it like mentioned on shows, right. horror shows and <laughs> right, stuff. Okay, so right. I'm not, I'm not right. completely in the dark. Right. Maybe I was thinking of Mary Poppins. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so uh, That's musical. Yes. Good point. So it's, is The Omen, I believe. That, that's that's a, Mary Poppins is a musical where uh, Dick Van Dyke sings way too long about Toppins. Yes. <laughs> and he sings in, in a uh, Cockney accent. Yes, he does. Yes. So... And our uh, new film uh, for next week, even though we lied about what our film was going to be this week, we should probably mention that quickly. We're going to we we're going to review uh, the Netflix film Awake, which we mentioned last week on our show. But we decided that uh, since uh, In the Heights had come out and been such a big deal, uh, we better hit that. We called an audible. We got up to the line of scrimmage. We didn't like the look of the defense, and so we uh, changed the play. And we changed the play after I watched Awake already, which was... Uh, <laughs> Seems monumentally unfair. Earlier this week, <laughs> this is a true story. Earlier this week, I recommended we watch In the Heights, and Ulrich, not being a musical fan, said hard pass. But then he watched Awake, and in part because of my subsequent bullying, uh, then agreed, okay, let's do In the Heights. <laughs> but I was willing to concede after watching Awake that two weeks from now, nobody will remember a thing about it. <laughs> and it Maybe may not because e of insomnia. It may not even really exist two weeks from now. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, and, we, and we figured also, very seriously, people, we figured that our audience... Uh, it's more likely people are going to want to go out and see in would the Would be heights. interested in, in the Heights, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And I was sort of um, unaware of the pedigree of In the Heights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You fixed me up. Okay. And uh, our new film for next week, I believe, is going to be a documentary on the band Sparks called The Sparks Brothers, which I don't know a ton about, but it's got a lot of good buzz. Okay. Right. So uh, join us next week, if you dare. If you dare. And uh, I'm going to give us a yowza, yowza, yowza before we sign off, because I'm, I'm bringing that back. Yowza, yowza, yowza. Yep. Good night, all. Bye, everybody.